Hi, this is Jake Baru, and you're listening to Level Playing Field. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Level Playing Field. Level Playing Field is my podcast, and my name is Randy Boos, where I interview athletes and sports personalities who are also LGBTQ. This episode, I interview Oklahoma Sooners assistant volleyball coach Jake Baru. Some of the things Jake and I talk about in this episode are coming out, how he got involved in coaching, where he's at now, where he's been. We talk about his involvement with Big Brothers Big Sisters and his little Ian. We also talk about him and Hunter's nonprofit work with Among Friends Norman in Oklahoma. Speaking of Among Friends, it is a cool nonprofit that him and Hunter are involved with. If you want to hear more, go to their Facebook page. You could find it by going to amongfriendsnorman.org. There's going to be a link in the show notes. There is a donate button. If you like what Jake's doing, if you like what Hunter's doing on the board of directors and their involvement with the adults with additional needs, donate to them. Help them out. That'd be cool if people who listen to this episode also helped out among friends. Links to Jake, his social media, and as well as finding out more about his team, the Oklahoma Sooners women's volleyball team, will be in the show notes. I really hope you enjoy this episode with Jake. I had a lot of fun talking with him. I love the sport of volleyball, and I can't wait to see where his career takes him. Well, enough of me chatting. Without further ado, here is Jake Baru. Well, welcome, Jake. Thank you for coming on my podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the time. Oh, yeah, no worries. It's uh you have a good story to tell and I want to, I wanted to get you on. So let's start. What was young Jake like? Were you interested in sports or? Yeah. I mean, I, I come from young Jake. Wow. I come from an athletic <laughs> family. Uh, you know, uh, my mom and my dad both played sports all the way up until college and they both come from very athletic families and basketball was actually like the first port, sport that I gave a real gave some time to and gave a real run at just because that was kind of the sport. But my uh, sister, my cousin played, you know, volleyball in high school. A lot of my, my family did. I had a, a, a few relatives play volleyball collegially. Um, so that was kind of, you know, on the back burner, but I, I don't even know how I stumbled, stumbled onto it. I want to say it was probably in like seventh or eighth grade. We did one of those, like, you know, students versus teachers games and I was like this is this is really fun and then after that I kind of just fell in love with it and there was really no opportunities for guys around me so I uh I had to play with with the girls and you know until I could find something which wasn't until maybe 16 years old that I found my first team that I could play on um a, a guys team but the cool part about it was when I when I first started volleyball at the high school level I was managing our girls high school team I kind of just went up to the coach and was like hey do you have like I'm really interested do you have an opportunity for me and that coach um you know her name's Joanne Armston and she's one of the most influential people in my life and I don't know if she knows that or not but um she was 
the head coach at our high school for 30 plus years and she coached, you know, my mom, my aunt, my sister, my cousin. So, I mean, she, she kind of had a, had a large part in a lot of my family members' lives, but she was the one that really gave me the first kind of glimpse into the sport from a different side of things and, and took me under her wing. Where did you grow up? I grew up in a small town in Wisconsin, uh, Portage. It's just north of, of Madison, Wisconsin. Oh, okay, so a smaller, smaller town. That makes more sense with why no boys team or, yeah, or yeah. club team or anything. Yeah, and there was there were um, you know opportunities to play in the Madison area, and that's where I joined my first club team. Um, you know, but I had to drive an hour each way to to play with the team. But it was it was important to me, and it was something that I like. I just couldn't. I felt like I couldn't give up from the first time I started playing. But um, yeah, there really wasn't a ton in my in my area. And you don't know what led you to volleyball over basketball. I think. I just was trying, wanting to do something different. And I had already kind of had some exposure. You know, um, I, I remember when I was young watching my cousin, Megan, um, she played at the University of Wisconsin where I, where I went to school. But when I was watching her in high school, I remember her playing and just seeing how fast and exciting the sport was. And I was sitting next to my aunt watching and, you know, my aunt played at the University of Wisconsin as well. And I was like, wow, this is like, I would, I would love to be on a court doing something like this someday. And it, it was kind of cool, like two, two strong women in, in my life that had played the sport at a pretty high level. And I think that was like, that's the earliest memory I have really talking about wanting to, to play. But kind of as I got through high school, I, it became increasingly more clear at the end of high school and into college um, that I wanted to be coaching because, you know, I, I tried out for our men's club team at Wisconsin when I, when I was a freshman and, um, you know, made one of those teams, but then I immediately started helping, you know, coach our women's club team. And I was coaching a, a youth club team. And then I got into coaching a varsity high school team when I was, I don't know, maybe, maybe 20 or something like that. So there came a point in my college career where I was either playing and coaching volleyball more hours out of the day than I was going to school. That's for sure. So it was, it was, it just felt like that was my calling. And I, and before that I'd kind of thought business was where I was going to end up or nonprofits. Um, but as I got to the end of my studies, it just was like volleyball, volleyball's it like volleyball or bust. I'm going to give this a go. Well, even during your, um, your college time, you were already coaching, right? Yeah. You had yeah, a head I mean, coaching job. Yeah, I, it was crazy. Like I was, I had to have been the youngest in the state at the time. And I, I, I was, I don't know. I was, I was, I had a lot of energy. I was super excited, but I had so much to learn. still at that, at that point in time, but yeah, I got a high school coaching gig when I was 20 and it was, it was, it was a blast. It was a really good time. And it was just a few miles from campus. So I could, I could get there after my classes. And I would, I just remembered like, you know, they would have like study tables before matches and I would be doing my homework alongside them. And like there were it was it was an interesting dynamic. And I can definitely say that was probably the chunk of time where I learned the most about myself as a coach um, and just about what it was going to take to go to the next level. But, yeah, I mean, f for real, I would go to school um, and then I would go right to, you know, my club practice or go to high school practice where I would coach and then I would come back and. I would have to go um, to my men's club practice because we would only get the evening time slots. And then I would stay 
and help coach our women's team. So, you know, I would be doing volleyball anywhere from 3 p.m. to midnight, like at least three days a week. And it just, I, I never got tired of it, no matter how few hours of sleep I got or how much studying I had to do, I would never miss a practice. I would never miss anything that was volleyball related. And that's how I just kind of knew like this was, this was what needed to be in my life because it just, it never felt like work or an obligation. It just, it was something that I need. Now in reading the OutSports article that I think posted a couple months ago, yeah, you, it talks about how you came out to your parents, your family, what, when you were about 18 or so? Um, I think it was somewhere near the end of my freshman year of college. Okay. So yeah, I think I was about, about 19 and my parents, my parents have been divorced since I was five. They're, they, you know, are very amicable, but it was kind of an interesting thing to navigate because I really did have to tell them both separately. It wasn't like a, I don't know if there is like a standard or normal way to do that, but it wasn't what you'd picture just like sitting down with your mom and dad. I had to have one conversation and then have another, but you know, I think I, I have a twin brother and I have an older sister. So I, I, I remember I talked to my sister first because she and I are very, very close and I, and I kind of knew she knew and would, would understand and help me navigate the rest of my conversation. So, you know, that was, that was probably the easiest call. And then I, um, I remember calling both my parents and, you know, my mom is a very straightforward person and she just said, okay, like, what's the news here? Like, are you happy? Yes. Okay. Then that's all I care about. And, you know, it was the same, same thing for my dad. So I, I think I got myself all worked up about it and maybe rightfully so, but there really was, there really wasn't anything to worry about. Now, my brother, um, my brother, I was a little bit more nervous to tell just because at that, at that point in time, and we, we had grown up at going to, you know, private schools, our, our whole lives up until high school was, that was our first public school experience. So we were like in a class of, I don't know, anywhere from 10 to 20 kids from first to eighth grade. So it, I mean, it, it was small, you know, so we had that background and, and he kind of, you know, was more attached to that than I was, I think at that point. And our grandma had passed away after my, after our freshman year in college. And I think that was when he started to kind of turn to religion a little bit more. So I was nervous to tell him just because I wasn't sure how he would take things from that standpoint. And I just remember like there was a time when we both came home from college and that was when I chose to tell him and it was after everyone else had gone to sleep. So it was just me and him. And, you know, he didn't there again, there was really nothing to worry about. I could tell his wheels were turning a little bit and it was, it was one of those situations where I think you have an idea as someone that is very religious, how you, how you stand on a certain thing until somebody that you're very close to, or mm-hmm. that, you know, is, is a loved one comes to you with something that is important because then, you know, things change. So, um, he's, he's one of the best people in my life. Like he's, he's, he's my role model for sure in a lot of ways. Um, but you know, I, I was blessed all the way around. I, I had, you know, a hundred percent support from everybody in my family. So even with the, you said your brother was the twin. Yes. So even with the twin connection that you always hear about, yeah, that was the one that you, you feared the most in the family. Yeah, he and I were very different growing up. Like I was, I was very outspoken from the, the get go about everything, you know. And I would remember there'd be like times when 
you know, my dad would pick us up from school and he would ask us how our, you know, our day was. And I would answer first and then he'd ask my brother and then I would try to answer for my brother. And, he, you know, so <laughs> there were those times when like, you know, I think that we, we just butted heads because we were together in such close quarters all the time from, from class to home to whatever. So, you know, I was always closer with my sister, but I was just nervous to have that conversation just because of how, how he had, like I said, kind of clung to their, their religion and our upbringing in that regard. And um, I just wasn't sure how things would go, but, you know, yeah, we definitely have that like special twin connection, I guess. Um, But it took, it took a little time to get there just because, because we had kind of drifted a little bit after, after high school, after we went our separate ways into college. And, but yeah, like I said, super, super easy conversations um, in retrospect, just, you know, when you, when you're going into it, you're, you've got all that build up and, and the nerves and everything, but it was, it was pretty easy to have those conversations. That's cool. So then you, you know, look, you're able to look back and you see such an easy time, you know, mm-hmm. acceptance all around. Yep. But then as you come out, you still in your professional life, mm-hmm. keep it closeted. Yeah. Well, I think that was that was a process for me. And, and Madison is a very liberal area. So it was easy for me to have to to come into my own in that area just because, you know, there's so many people from so many different walks of life. Like everyone has a really cool story and there's so many unique people like I was just one of one of the normal people so it was kind of cool from that re- in the in that regard like i i felt very comfortable in my day to day but i think i mean i was nervous um as i was coaching high school and i was kind of starting to date for the first time to to be open with high school athletes that i was really only 3 or 4 years older than at that point in time so i was you know i was i was nervous to be myself in that regard and you know, there are conservative parts, um, you know, in a lot of areas of the country. So I was nervous about that. But when I got into collegiate coaching right after, you know, as I was finishing my undergrad, I, I volunteered. I spent that next year volunteering at the University of Wisconsin with the volleyball program. And that was a full time gig. But I was I was I don't know. I think I was just. I had this idea in my head that if I was openly gay, there was going to be, there were going to be certain opportunities that weren't going to be available to me. And I wasn't going to ever be able to be able to be able to coach at the highest level in our sport. I wasn't going to go coach at a place where I could win a national championship, or I wasn't going to be able to coach division one, or it was going to affect recruiting um, because people weren't going to want their kids to come play for, you know, a gay coach. I had, those are, were serious thoughts that were running through my mind. And I just, at that point in time, kept telling myself, well, you know, I, this is what I wanted. So career is going to come first. And I'm just going to make sure that whoever I'm with knows that. And, you know, those were definitely tough times for me personally, I think just internally to, to navigate. And, and I'm, and there was never anything about the environment that I was in, you know, working with Wisconsin athletics that, that made me feel that way. It was more just me making myself feel that way. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Oh no, totally. I mean, you hear all these horror stories and then you don't always hear, you know, the acceptance yeah. and, and all that. So it, it totally makes sense. Yeah. Obviously now you're coaching a women's women's team. Yep. Did you find it easier to navigate to the women's side of the sport as opposed to the men because um, of your sexuality? Well, I don't know necessarily. I mean, 
I think just I gravitated towards the women's side just because there's plain and simple more opportunities to coach mm-hmm. there. And that was that was my first kind of exposure to coaching was coaching on the women's side when it was high school and then club and then, you know, into into collegiate. But um, I don't know. I mean, I think, yeah, probably like it, it is definitely easier to connect with 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 females or it was when I was growing up. And, you know, the men's game is is almost like a different sport. So I, I don't know if I would have felt like equipped to to coach that and be coming to terms with my sexuality. But um, I think the main draw was just, you know, there would be more opportunities for me there. And that was my main kind of focus at that time. Why do you this? I'm, I'm a volleyball fan. So <laughs> let me ask, why do you? That. Why do you think that, in fact, because I have a question later, just over the weekend, I was watching uh, snow volleyball in Argentina. Yes. How, how is the men's and women's game different? Um, it's kind of funny. Like we actually at, at Oklahoma just brought in um, a new assistant from UC Santa Barbara uh, and he played there and, and coached there um, on the men's side. So this is actually his first experience coaching women. So um, it's interesting. Like there's, like the concept of a defensive specialist to him is, is very foreign and the use of the back row attack is, is as a first option is, is a lot more prevalent in the men's game. And it's just, it's very physical. So there's, I think there's, you know, there's so many more athletes that play that participate in the women's sport. And there's obviously those opportunities, but I think those are like the main things that make it different is just like, you know, there's, there's a, a vast difference in the amount of subs. So in the men's game, you find a lot more athletes that, that play all the way around and do everything because they have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the women's game, there's just a lot more athletes that play period. So, you know, the, the need for specialization, or I think that just inherently happens where athletes just specialize in one position. They only attack or they only pass just because that allows more athletes to play on a team. And, you know, there's arguments for and against. And I, you know, I do think that that kind of handicaps us a little bit in the women's game sometimes, just because those athletes that can do everything are, are certain at a high level are certainly few and far between, or, or it seems to be trending that way, you know, where it's kind of a dying breed, the athlete that can pass and attack and serve and play defense and block. And, you know, it's kind of, it, it almost seems like it's one or the other a lot of the time. So when you find one of those, you're like jackpot, you know? When I was in high school years ago, <laughs> there was professional women's volleyball. They only lasted for like two and a half years. In the States. Um, yeah, in the United States. Yep. San, uh, San Jose, my hometown, had its own team. Um, there was a team in LA, Minnesota. Why, with the way there's so many sports channels now, I mean, Olympic Channel shows volleyball all the time. Right. When... Do you think we'll ever have a professional team in the United States again? I mean, I don't know. And I, I don't follow enough professionally to know, you know, the drawbacks or like why it isn't growing here because it is so popular. Like, that's just a thing. Like when, when our athletes, um, you know, are finishing their collegiate careers, we just, it, and they want to continue playing. We just know they're going to have to go overseas to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's so popular there. Like you see some of these matches, that are being played, um, you know, in different parts of the country and they're just jam packed and it's like an incredible environment and such an amazing fan experience. And so cool for those players. Like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's 
not happening here for a lack of interest because you there are those those really cool venues at the collegiate level that have such amazing fan bases you know i've been fortunate to be able to play at nebraska at hawaii uh, we'll go to colorado state this fall that has a really great following wichita state um some of those of those places that um you know and, and of course wisconsin you know those places that habitually sell out their their venues and i don't know like i think it's one of those things where when you've experienced it you're like wow this is amazing like this is cool i don't know i don't have the answer as to why that's not that why it's not growing here why there isn't a professional league because i think there are obviously you know we have some of the best athletes you know in the world and and you know with our men's and women's team both just qualifying again to go to tokyo in 2020 i think Mm -hmm. there's there's so much talent um and i think there's plenty of fans i think there are a lot of people that have never experienced it and maybe maybe haven't been in a live setting to really catch the bug because sometimes it is i don't think it translates translates as well on tv versus being there in person especially with you know there's these arguments with with coaches all the time like how the challenge system that is super important to our sport the challenge the video replay system and, Mm -hmm. and all that um how it's how it's kind of making our sport a little bit unwatchable because sometimes they take long and you know it's it's still kind of in its infancy you know but it is an important part of our of our product um, and making sure we get the right calls and all that. But, you know, sometimes people flip the channel in the time that it takes to figure out if a call was right or wrong. So there's been those talks, but I wish I knew because I think there are so many fantastic players and coaches and people and certainly a lot of venues that would be more than willing to host. Uh, So I don't know. I would love to see a resurgence, though. And like I said, last weekend, I was watching Snow Volleyball. Yeah. So there's obviously TV coverage. There's demand because it's not just being shown for my sake. So, yeah, yeah, I just don't get it. Yeah. And I I would love to see some more coverage for the for the men's game. And um, just because it's it is so it's so exciting to watch. I was I got to go to the men's um, final four this last year at Long Beach State and like just it's so crazy with the things that they can do. And I really think like volleyball athletes are really special because a lot of the skills that we, that we do, you know, overhead setting and forearm passing and in the attacking motion, like those, those are kind of unique to our sport. Like they don't really translate to, to other sports, like some other actions do from sport to, mm-hmm. to, to sport. So I think that's kind of unique and, it really displays how athletic some of these, these people are like, it's just, it's crazy to see. And I think when people get a chance to experience it live, like you get, you find fans for life. Yeah. And I mean, I know it's been years since they switched over, but mm-hmm. moving away from the, um, did they call it side out scoring? Yes. Yeah. And going to the rally. I mean, it obviously speeds up the game and it makes it more interesting too. So there's a point being scored every time. Yeah. And I think, yeah, like that, that was huge. Like being, you know, side out scoring makes it relatively impossible to schedule something to be on on TV because you just have no idea how long one of those matches would last, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, rally scoring for sure, like makes things a little bit more measurable. Uh, There's actually a a grass tournament back in in Wisconsin that uh, still like does a side out scoring format and it's 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 such a fun tournament and it's kind of cool like you you get to be a part of a tournament that's you know got a a format that a lot of people that are playing are are used to or 
you know, still were a part of. And um, I don't know, it's, it's kind of cool to, to get to do those things once in a while, but. Taking it back to you um, yeah. and your career. Yeah. Once you graduate from, from college, your, is your first job Missouri? Yeah, I spent a, I spent a, a couple months at Chicago State in Chicago. Um, and then I moved um, in June of 2014. I took the um, assistant job at Missouri State. So how I was, was there the, for four years. How was that time? It was great. I mean, it, it was already an established program. So it was kind of cool to come in to something that had really only known winning for a long period of time. And I, I came in with a very you know, there was so much talent in the gym and there, it was an exceptional group of athletes that were, that were there. So we, we won a lot in my time there. I think we, we went one ninety-eight games in four seasons and we made three NCAA tournaments. And, you know, that was, that was a pretty special time. And it was like, you know, I kind of, I feel like I almost grew up with that program a little bit. Like that was, you know, I was 24. That was my first paying full-time gig. And, you know, I spent a good chunk of time there. I met my husband there. Um, you know, that's that's where I I kind of came into my own a little bit more as a coach. And you know, it was it was a fantastic experience. Good people, great volleyball town, and it it was just a a neat experience. And I I feel very blessed to have been given the chance to be a part of that program. Did you get married while you're at Missouri still, or was that after? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the interesting story. So. We got engaged um, in April leading into, you know, the, that 2017 season, which would have been starting in August. And then I think we had planned to do a wedding that that following May. But as we were getting, you know, starting to plan the wedding, um, we were just like, why are we doing this? We don't want to spend all this money. And we we just would rather do something quick like and and you know, save that money for something else, like a cool experience or a trip or something. So we ended up getting married during volleyball season in November <laughs> on a match day. So my, my family was in town because it was like our, I think it was our senior weekend or something. So they were going to be in town anyway. And Hunter's family, um, you know, lives only 20 minutes from there. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, went to the courthouse that morning. We took some pictures and then I said, okay, I'll see you at the game tonight. And we, you know, that was, that was kind of it, but yeah, we got married while I was, while I was at Missouri state on a game day. So I, I honestly, looking back at it, like I would not do that any other way. Like, he you don't recommend it, huh? No, no, it was, it was cool. Like, yeah. Hey, we got married on game day. Like that, that's a, it's such a weird thing to do, but we're both coaches and it like, it describes our lifestyle per- perfectly. So, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. So when you go to get the position in Oklahoma, is it a tough yeah. call for you guys to make as a family? Yeah, very much so. I mean, Hunter hadn't been out of outside of the Springfield area. Um, you know, he was finishing up school still and he's he's younger than I am. So he was, you know, that, that would have been his first kind of move away from home. And, you know, I would have been choosing to leave somewhere that was, you know, had treated me so well and was a, you know, a very high level experience, you know, to go to Oklahoma where we, where we had to turn some things around and it definitely wasn't a, a sure thing, you know, but I think in every, you know, this is just my personal point of view. I think we have as coaches, we have to, in order to, to be our best, we have to really get different experiences, whether that's, you know, working with different types of athletes, certainly learning from, from other coaches and just 
different styles of doing things because there's so many different ways to to train things in our sport and um, there's definitely certain there's definitely different types of people to work for and with and I felt like you know that while we were still you know really young in our careers I think that you know that's important for me and you know we had to come to that decision together and you know we're still relatively close to Springfield but you know, it's been, it's been a really fantastic experience for us so far. And we've, we've really, really enjoyed it um, being here and being a part of OU and such a national powerhouse brand and, you know, bringing this volleyball program to places it's been before and beyond. And, um, you know, we had such a great season in, in 2018. And I really feel like this year is going to be even better. So, you know, and Hunter, has found his groove here you know he had kind of started in on on a on a career path in Springfield and um, when we made that move I think he was like you know I want to I want to do volleyball full-time as well so he you know started a small volleyball club here that he's growing and has had he's had a great experience so far and you know had had some really fun athletes and he's had had good feedback and he's um, you know, now he's running a high school program here just outside of Norman. So, you know, things are, are going well and, and we're kind of uh, growing, you know, getting our roots set here a little bit. So obviously you said where you grew up was pretty liberal. Yeah. Missouri, probably not as so. <laughs> not No, not so much. And, you know, I, I, I wish I had, I I know I don't wish I had, but I really don't have a, I never had a bad experience in in Springfield or in Missouri, Um, but it's definitely different. Like it's a, it's, I remember my college friends being like, why are you moving to Missouri? Like, why are you going further South? Like, I don't understand. (laughs) And it was, you know, I was, I definitely had those nerves and I still wasn't when I moved to Missouri fully, you know, out with my personal life and, and anything like that at all. That took some time, but I, I really had great experiences there. And I think honestly, and th- this might not be right, but I feel like when you're involved in collegiate athletics, there's such a, it's such a melting pot, no matter where you're at, of people coming from different places mm-hmm. to be a part of a common experience. Like you're kind of forced to experience other people from different walks of life that are all, you know, all anything, all types of religion, sexual orientations, races, whatever everyone has a, has a story and has a path and has, has something that they've had to go through to be a part of, you know, what we're all trying to do together. So I've had those common bonds just from working towards a similar goal with people in athletics. But I think that's kind of, that holds true. A lot of places I have so many friends in, in coaching that have very similar stories to mine that have had such phenomenal experiences. But I think no matter where you're at, there's, there's going to be those really conservative areas where, you know, you feel like maybe you don't belong, but I, I really feel like collegiate athletics has done me right. And I feel like maybe I wouldn't be as comfortable with myself if I hadn't had the opportunity to be a part of collegiate athletics. Part of your job with both colleges was, it has been recruiting, right? Mm -hmm. How is the recruiting process for you? I mean, like I said, you're, you're coaching women's teams. So it, sexuality probably isn't as big of a deal right how has that been though i mean obviously you don't you know come in and have your little card that says i'm gay but right is it something that you you have to hide or no i don't think so but i think also you know part of that is making sure and and that's kind of where i'm at in my career now where like 
you, you have to make sure you're working for the right athletic department and right head coach that, you know, wants you to be a, a part of what they're trying to do fully. Just, you know, you being yourself, being a part of what they're trying to do. So, you know, it does, it kind of comes up organically, you know, when I'm on a campus tour with a recruiter, I'm on the phone with the recruit and we're, you know, just talking about our lives and what's going on and, you know, oh, I've got a, you know, volleyball game this weekend. Yeah. My, my, so my husband seems just starting up too. Like it's crazy. So those things kind of work themselves into conversations organically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, I've, I felt, you know, really blessed to have been at places where, you know, my bosses have fully embraced, you know, my husband or whoever I've been with or, or you know, whatever to be a part of, of the big family, you know, the volleyball family. So, you know, that's, that's pretty important to me, but I've, I've not had any bad experiences recruiting with that, but I don't know, like, that's one of the, that's one of the coolest parts of the job for me is just getting that opportunity to, you know, build a relationship with an athlete and watch them grow as people and players. And, you know, hopefully they, you know, those that become a part of your program, like you worked with them when they were however old and you got to watch them play when they were, you know, in youth volleyball and club volleyball. And then they, you know, work their way through your collegiate program. Like you're a part of them becoming a, an adult and a young woman and making responsibilities on, on, you know, having responsibilities and making decisions on their own. Like what a, what a cool experience. And it's, it's hard to describe because, you know, it's unlike a lot of different, a lot of things that you would do in a day-to-day job. So it's, that's, that's the coolest part for me, just relating to, to these athletes and, you know, trying to, you know, get them to be a part of what we're trying to do. What's your ultimate goal with coaching? I mean, I take it eventually you want to be a head coach somewhere running your own program. Yeah, I think, I think so. You know, I haven't thought about it a ton just because I feel like I'm still the, the biggest thing for me is just like, feel like I'm learning and getting better and growing and have the opportunity to compete at the highest level. And if I can check those boxes, you know, wherever I'm at or what, with whatever I'm doing, then I'm, I'm happy. Uh, so I, I've felt challenged every day. I felt like I'm learning new things from the people that I'm with, um, every day. And I feel like we're competing at the highest level. So that's, those are important for me. And I'm so happy in my, my role and I love being an assistant coach. So I don't know when that time will come. I don't know if I'll ever feel like, yes, I'm ready. Like, this is it. You know, this, I need to be a head coach this season. I don't, I don't think it happens that way. I think, you know, when the right opportunity comes your way, it just, it either feels right or it doesn't. So, um, or you, you feel, you feel like it's calling you or you feel prepared. So, you know, I don't know when that will be. I have a feeling it will come someday, but I'm so happy with, with my current situation and, and where I'm at with my, with my current job. How are you guys looking this year? What season starts in a few weeks, right? Yeah, we started, uh, we reported on the seventh and our first practice was on the eighth. So we've been in practice for a while, but yeah, we have a scrimmage. Uh, we have an exhibition next, next week or gosh, this weekend already. And then, um, <laughs> I know the day every day blends. I lose track of my days so quickly because everything looks the same inside the gym. So, um, you know, yeah, we have an exhibition game um, just down the road in Tulsa against Oral Roberts. And then we'll have like an interest squad thing on the 24th. And then we head to Colorado state that next weekend. So uh, we're, we're looking great. I mean, when we came in, 
um, our whole staff came in last year. We were all new. There was so much talent in our gym already, that which was fantastic. Like we were able to hit the ground running. And I think we shocked a lot of people and we won some games that we maybe weren't supposed to. And of course, you know, you have those road, road bumps throughout the year and those growing pains. But, you know, we've got some depth, some high level depth in a lot of positions. And I feel I feel great. Like we leave the practice gym every day feeling really strongly about how hard our team's competing and how relentless they are and how gritty we are when we're playing and um, just the overall level of competition. And people are really bought into to training and people are coming in, you know, that when we roll into the practice court, there's people that have already been out there for 20 minutes doing their own thing, getting extra reps and, you know, wanting to watch video and, and do more. So, you know, that's kind of the exciting part. Like this group is, is looking for ways to do that extra 1% to make themselves better. Like it just, that's how you kind of know, like you're in for something special. What's your typical week like during the season? Yeah. Gosh. For volleyball? Yeah. Well, it's kind of, it's interesting. Like, um, you know, in the Big 12, we compete on Wednesdays and then either a Friday or a Saturday. Um, so travel is a big part of things. Um, but in the preseason, it's nice because you get to just focus on yourself. You know, you get those two days in, you get to work some things out, work out the kinks. But the first four weeks of our season, we're on the road or we're, in, we're playing tournaments. So we're playing multiple teams over a couple of days on a weekend, which is the only time that we do that. So that's that's kind of like an interesting segment to our season in itself. Um, you know, there'll be days where we play two two matches in a day, which is kind of kind of weird. But it is, you know, that's that's our sport. And then when we get into more of a regular swing, when we get into league play, you know, we we take an off day, you know, when we can, we spend a day working on our ourselves and, you know, they go to class in the morning, we practice in the afternoon, and then we'll, you know, spend time preparing for our opponents before we, we hit the road or before we play them at home. So, you know, we do get into a better flow once we get into conference play. And then of course, when you get into that second half of conference play, you kind of know everybody a little bit. So it's a little bit easier there. And then I, I kind of feel I've always felt like in that second part of conference play, you do get to spend a little bit more time as well working on yourselves. And and the the Big 12 schedule, I really like because we do get, you know, a bye week here and there or, a, um, you know, a, a Wednesday off or something that gives us a little bit additional rest time because our sport is so physical. This conference is so physical. It allows us just time to get, you know, get that rehab get our bodies right get our minds right get refueled because it is it's a demanding sport but yeah we get into a pretty good flow once we get through preseason I would say is it easier or is it harder having a partner obviously for you your husband Hunter yeah involved in volleyball as well is it easier to get away from the sport or do you guys find yourself talking about it all the time (laughs) gosh I don't know he might answer differently than I do I certainly appreciate (laughs) having, you know, my husband understand the sport because, you know, we can share in those frustrations or those successes and on a like fully understood level. So, um, you know, I think he, he doesn't like when I come watch him coach, you know, and, you know, sometimes I think we both have feedback for each other and it's the hard part is just trying to find the right times to, to pop those in, you know, where you're, mm-hmm. where you're, you know, you got to find the right time where you're just being a fan and you're watching and you're not giving feedback and because they don't need it. And, but I've always appreciated the fact that he like 
gets it and knows the schedule and and vice versa like he has a he has a demanding schedule too especially when we get to club season i mean there's times when we you know don't see each other for days and days at a time or you know won't see him until 9 p.m at night and vice versa but it's i i love it i wouldn't have any any other way um i want to talk about two different things besides volleyball that um really interest me with you the first is how did you get involved in big brother big sister i had kind of always known about it and i had really had intentions to get involved when i was in springfield uh it just i never never got to doing it never got to setting it up and then it's really kind of as soon as i got to to norman i you know made the time to go do it and um it's an interesting process like they kind of grill you and you know they take their time and make sure they know you and the people that are the match support specialists like really do their homework on both ends to make sure they find, you know, you somebody that that fits with you or that you they feel like you're going to be able to, you know, mentor and vice versa. But there's, yeah, there's I imagine it's close to like an adoption process. It's it's kind of similar, but there's two different ways like there's two different, I guess. Yeah, there's two different ways to be involved in, in Big Brothers Big Sisters. There's a you know, there's a school based type of situation where you only go see your little at school or or you know during their daytime like you don't you know go out and plan activities and then the other one is kind of a community-based thing which is what I'm a part of you know it's a little bit more time consuming maybe but it's it's kind I I enjoy that just because we get to go do more things and plan more things that are like personalized to us and go do things that we are interested in and you know spend time with each other in that way so yeah Ian and I, Ian's my little brother. We've, we, we actually just hung out today. Yeah. We've I got, gosh, we've been matched for about a, almost a year and a half, I think. Yeah. I mean, just short of the time that I've, I've been here at OU. So yeah, o- over just over a year. How rewarding has it been? It's like, been, what, what are the takeaways you get besides meeting the cool kid? I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool because for, for me personally, like I'm the youngest in my family. So I didn't, I never have a little brother or sister that I felt like, you know, you have that kind of relationship with. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that regard, like that's been kind of nice, like getting to mentor someone and, and be someone's friend in, in that way. But I also feel like I've, I've learned a lot from him because there's, you know, kids do and say things and ask questions that like, just make you think a lot of the time. And, you know, it, I've already seen like him just kind of growing and and myself growing with him and and his family and his mom and his sister like I feel every time we hang out or every time we plan something I feel like I'm more a part of his family like I just introduce him as my anytime we're out or anytime we run into somebody you know this is my little brother Ian like I and and he's like he's you know just a fantastic kid and there's been times when he's like you know brought me to tears where he's he's given me like these you know really cool cards that you know, say I love my big brother or whatever it is like that are just like, it it makes you feel like you're doing something for somebody. But really, I mean, I doubt I doubt he understands how much he's impacted me and um, his family has impacted me. And it's just been like, you just grow that bond with with somebody. So it's been, it's been a real blessing. and, And I've, I've really enjoyed it. But he's like the coolest kid too. And he always asked me about like, he asked me today how Hunter is doing. And you know, we've gotten to, you know, me, him and Hunter went to, you know, uh, like a charity dinner one night and got to hang out. And, you know, he's he's, you know, had that exposure with Hunter before. And, yeah, I mean, 
it's I, I think that plays a factor in it and it can definitely be a benefit I, I think it would be regardless of whether or not it, it meshed or gelled you know it's certainly a introduction to to different types of people at a at an early age with your relationship with Ian does this get you and Hunter excited for possibly your own family in the future yeah for sure does it I get mean, you guys thinking yeah he's like he's been baby crazy since like before we met so he you know that's that's for sure like he would be a phenomenal father and and well it sounds like you would too so we've 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 talked about it quite extensively i think we're just trying to get ourselves and there's never obviously like a right time you know to do it um but you know i've got some friends in coaching that have gone through the adoption process that um you know i've i've definitely sought guidance from and um that's something that i think we will we will for sure be navigating soon but yeah i mean it's been we've been really excited to 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 start that process i adopted my own son so it's obviously something that i yeah that i recommend to awesome anybody who's looking to expand their family hunter has um hunter has uh you know family that his aunt has um fostered to adopt um Mm -hmm. so we've we've kind of that's how we did it yeah, so we've talked about maybe going that route too. Um, so I don't know. I mean, there's so many different ways to to do things. Um, you have and, to protect your heart. Yeah. I know it sounds stupid for someone who doesn't really know you, but um, it's a tough process because you can have the child taken away. Yeah, that that's what makes me the most nervous when you're going through the fostering process. Like growing, so I mean, you're naturally going to grow attached to somebody mm-hmm. that you're caring for and just the the possibility that that could be just taken away at any moment just like it really freaks me out so i don't know i mean that's not a and it's not at any moment but it's you sort of get warnings that it does and depending on your case you know why they were taken away and why they weren't and all that stuff so right we've talked about hunter a lot though yeah and i want to talk about the nonprofit that you and hunter involved with yeah um can you tell me a little bit about it yeah so it's called Among Friends, and we really, we really stumbled upon it. Like, uh, there was a, we just decided, like, hey, we really need to spend more time giving back. Um, and we, you know, I reached out to our community relations person at the time here at OU, um, and I was like, hey, can you recommend somewhere good for Hunter and I to volunteer over, you know, sometime this week? And he, you know, recommended among friends. We really had no idea what we were going into, but we we showed up and we spent maybe an hour there the first time we were there. And it's you know it's a group of adults. The set the center. It's an activity center for adults with additional needs and disabilities. So, you know that that's a wide range of of things. So, you know, a lot of times when kids with disabilities and additional needs age out of their high school program or they graduate or you know whatever that may be you know they still need around the clock care or supervision or whatever it is um and there's just not a lot of places that offer that so among friends is that for our area and it's growing um and there's definitely a need for it but it's we we fell in love like the first day we were there we we just spent time with them in the gym and they you know there's different different levels of functionality with different people but everyone is there and wants to participate and, you know, wants to get to know you and you just kind of like when you're going through 
the like we kind of talked about when you're going through the fostering process, like you just grow a bond with with the people that you're around. And we left that day just feeling like, wow, like this is something we need to spend more time with. So, you know, I think we came back the next day and we came back maybe the next day and we were spending a couple days there a week. And, you know, shortly after that, we um, were asked to you know, join the board of directors there. So we were like, I don't know, but we, you know, we felt like we wanted to be involved. And so, yeah, we were, we were both on the board of directors for a while. And then Hunter accepted a full-time position uh, with among friends. So he works there, you know, nine to four every day. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. He's there all day, every day. He's the, um, the program coordinator. So he does like all of the planning. And if you follow him on social media, um, like a lot of any of the activities that are going on or, or a lot of them um, kind of he's he's had his hand in planning. And there's such a, it's such a great staff there and so many phenomenal people that are a part of making it a special place. But yeah, he like immediately said yes when given that opportunity and um, he's loved it. I mean, it, it's for sure a lot, a lot for him with coaching high school and having to get his mind around club coming up after that and spending his, you know, full day at, um, at among friends, but I don't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't trade it for the world. Like it just, that, that group kind of called to us. So it's, it's been really, really neat to be a part of. And, um, they're actually coming to our crimson and cream scrimmage on August 24th. So the group will come and we did this last year with them where we just like spent our team, spent some time with them on the court before we play and they get to hang out and be a part, you know, be our special guest for the match. So it's, yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. It's just a really, it's a really cool place. And it definitely serves, satisfies a need in this area, which I'm sure is a need just about in any community. So I, I don't know how many places have something like this, but it's, it's fantastic. Well, it is sickening how authentically good you are. <laughs> My goodness. I, don't, I, don't I mean, all that. <laughs> My goodness, you and Hunter. I mean, I think we just like when we made this move, it was a it was a turning a new page and starting a new chapter in a lot of ways. And that for us included giving back just because we we both have we're blessed with what we've you know got. And we, um, you know, we felt like we need to be doing more for others. And, um, you know, that that's just kind of something we took as we made this move like this needs to be a part of our everyday as we start something new so it's just kind of ingrained in our routine now and he's got he's got a phenomenal heart and he's just a, a really great person and they like we went to a well it sounds like both of you guys do so let's be real well you know what he yeah i just follow his lead in those regards like he's we we've both enjoyed it and you know i'll say that so we're we're happy to be a part of it. I'll get, get the opportunity to serve as the president of the board next year. And he'll hopefully still be, you know, working there full time and we'll get to, you know, have a hand in helping grow the group, you know, for over the next calendar year and beyond. So fired up about it. And, and we've, we've loved being a part of it and getting to just bring our volleyball families into it as well. You know, get, get to have them be a part of it. The group that, that I'm a part of that with the Oklahoma volleyball team is so they're, they're such a giving group as well. Like they all are really always searching for ways to give back. So they've, they love those opportunities too. So it just is natural for me to try to blend those. And same, same with Hunter. He's got a phenomenal group of, 
of girls that, that he works with both in high school and clubs. So, you know, those opportunities for us to bring everyone together are, are always there. That's cool. Well, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I have a final 15 questions I ask. It only takes a few minutes. Okay, let's so do it. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't, don't get scared because of the length. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Oh my gosh. I think I would like to be, oh my gosh, I don't know. I think I would like to know what people are thinking. Um, you know, selfishly, that's a good one, but it's scary. It is scary. It is scary. And I think into, you know, we, we all, myself included, um, you know, care too much about what others think, but it would be kind of cool, especially in the recruiting process. If I'm being real, like <laughs> I, I get a little inside information, you know, that so. is true. <laughs> like that movie. Um, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I can't think of the title um, where, but... where, where he, he can hear all these women's thoughts. Uh, she could, you... she could hear the guy's thoughts. It's, that's what uh, Taraji Henson, I think her name is, from Empire. Um, Who is your first celebrity crush? Oh, my gosh. My first celebrity crush. (laughs) I I don't know. Um, I think, you know, I was born in in 90s, so I grew up around the 90s, you know, pop groups. I think the, before I was out, you know, like the the NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys groups were ever, like, the heartthrobs, so I would probably have to say that. Okay, so which one, Backstreet Boys or NSYNC? Gosh, I think I think it was Backstreet Boys first. I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie. I know there's a lot of NSYNC fans out there, but it was Backstreet Boys first for me. All right, if you could meet anyone dead or alive, who would it be? Oh my gosh, anyone dead or alive? See, these are short questions, but they're really the thinkers. I don't know. I think I'd like to probably pick the brain of a, you know a former president and I can't think of who that, you know, who would be my pick at this time, but very vanilla answer. I know, but I think that would be it works. the route I would go. What is the most interesting thing you have read or seen this week? Well, we're reading a book as a group. No one gets there alone is what it's called. Um, and we read a, a chapter um, about a um, someone that was preparing for um, a marathon and they had done this, that, and the other thing. And then, you know, when they get there and are in the thick of it, they're, you know, they're, and they're crushing it They're They get a flat tire and they don't have what they need to, to replace it. And they, you know, sit on the side of the road during this biking portion to, and I think it was an Ironman or something they're getting, you know, they're waiting for someone to help and people keep passing and then someone stops and helps and, you know, gives them whatever they need to, to, you know, finish. And I think, you know, that person ended up finishing really well and they, you know, they, they give credit to this person, but it was just, like, that's kind of the theme of this book is just, you, you prepare for all these things and you have all these aspirations and personal goals, but no one ever gets there alone. Like you always have, you always need people to help you through yeah. whatever you're doing. Yeah, true. What is the most recent streaming obsession you have, or, you know, something you watch each week? Oh gosh. Um, what did I? Okay, this is embarrassing, but I'm a huge Big Brother fan, so okay. I uh, I I watch that religiously um, on my CBS All Access. So I'm I'm waiting for the next episode of season 21 to come out. But yeah, that's what I that's what I watch religiously right now. So you even watch the live streams? I don't watch the live streams. I don't get that crazy. I've been tempted a time or two, but then I'm like, there's I feel like there's more productive things I can do with my <laughs> day than watch this person brush their teeth. But um, Probably. You know, I, I always feel like I'm I'm missing out on what's happening with the house guests if I'm not if I don't watch some of it. But um, 
yeah, I've, I've done pretty good about staying away from that temptation. <laughs> Which fictional character would you like to meet in real life? Um, probably Harry Potter. Cause that was like the first real like series of books that I remember, like I couldn't put this book down and I just flipped through them. Like I remember just locking myself away and reading those and just being like completely engulfed in that. So I think that would be a pretty cool person to meet would be Harry Potter. Right. That would be good. There's a podcast called Potterless. It's a guy who never read the stories until he was 24 and he Mm -hmm. goes through each chapter. Really? It's actually pretty entertaining. Um, Yeah. That sounds right up my alley. Who inspires you? A lot of people, but I would say my sister, you know, she's had to overcome a lot of things in, you know, she at a young age had to go to rehab for alcoholism and she was severely overweight. I mean, and she has completely turned her life around. She's, you know, she lost uh, like 150 pounds or something crazy and, you know, is crushing life. She's like an HR exec in Chicago living the dream. And she just, um, you know, is pretty, a pretty kick-ass person. Like she just does a lot of cool a lot of cool things and she's got a great heart um and is a is a connector in a lot of ways like she just has one of those personalities where you feel like you've known her forever when you meet her and she can she can talk to a brick wall like she's she's phenomenal so just then the way she's turned her life around and the way she connects with people that's that's always been someone that's inspired me that's cool what turned you on creatively spiritually or emotionally um, creatively, just from like a work aspect, like being at OU it, with champions on champions everywhere, everywhere we walk. Um, there's so many people that are doing high level things. And I'm so into that from like a social media standpoint, from a recruiting standpoint, like what can we do to, to, to get our brand out there and to make sure that we're selling ourselves to, you know, the athletes that we want to be a part of our program. So that, that fires me up creatively. We, my husband and I, well, I, I kind of took the reins and he'll tell you that I always do. I just like redecorated our little office and made it kind of like a Zen type space. So I'm, I'm trying to get like a little bit of meditation and just chill time into, into my morning routine to maybe fire me up emotionally, mentally as I get my days going. But I'm saying that out loud to make sure that I'm being held accountable. Sounds good. (laughs) What turns you off? As far as? Anything. I had one guy that I talked to who said women. <laughs> That's fair. Um, no, I think turns me off. I think um, most vegetables, if I'm being honest. <laughs> if I'm being honest, most vegetables. I don't know. Like people that just are no people or like won't, won't work with you to solve a problem or, you know, be solution oriented that just say no, that, that kind of turns me off. But I mean... I'm blessed that I don't work around or, you know, I'm not surrounded by anyone like that, you know, from day to day. But I think those would be my, my, my main two first, first being vegetables, of course. Of course. What is your favorite curse word? (laughs) Is that going to be on the podcast? Yeah. I, I, I say the F word a lot when I'm playing because I, and you can ask anyone that I've played with or against, I just get very competitive. Um, and mostly it's, it's out myself if I screwed something up. But yeah, shit is, an, is another just pretty common one that comes out of my mouth from, from time to time. All right. 
What sound or noise do you love? <laughs> sound or noise. I love the sound of a, a ball hitting a hand and then hitting the floor. How about that? There you go. What sound or noise do you hate? Squishy type sounds uh, and whistles. Like that's all you can hear when you're recruiting in a convention center. Um, just whistles on whistles on whistles for hundreds of miles. So yeah, that'd be probably another one. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Ooh, definitely nonprofit sector, whatever that may be. That was kind of my original goal. And like I studied business. I also majored in Spanish and I feel like I've not like used that at all. So, you know, I, I don't know, something in a Spanish speaking country would have been amazing. That's like my biggest regret in college was not studying abroad. So if any collegiate student athlete or person out there is listening to this, please, please study abroad if given the opportunity. Yeah, that's a good Good suggestion. Yeah. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? I love you just the way you are. Perfect. My final question is this. One of the reasons why I do this podcast is I want kids who maybe are going through their own struggles yeah. to realize there's other people out there. Yeah. So if you can go back in time and tell your 12-year-old self something to help you in your future, what would that one thing be? It. I mean... It sounds cliche, but it gets better. You know, there's times when it's really tough and you just kind of have to weather the storm. Find your, find your people that you can be yourself around and do your best to not hide even an ounce of that in your day-to-day -day life because it's so easy to do and there's people that'll want you to do that. But um, be yourself and, and be out there and be, be your authentic self because that, that's when you find the people that, that care about you and those are the only people that, that matter. Cool. Jake, thank you so much for coming on. I've, thank you. I've enjoyed my time with you. I've, I've so appreciated it. This was a fantastic call. Like I've, I've really enjoyed chatting. Well, there you go. Another episode done. Thank you, Jake, for coming on this podcast. I had a good time. Jake is an awesome guy. The way he talks about his husband, Hunter, he's even better. I just want to say it one more time. I am doing it right now. Donate to Among Friends Norman. Help this nonprofit out. Next week, hopefully we'll have a special U.S. Open tennis episode. More info later this week. Until then, have an awesome time. <laughs>